Well, partner, we got another episode. I think this is going to be a great one. I mean, this is what we, um, we look forward to talking to folks that are part of our community, that partnership that we talk about all the time. And this is, like I said, this is going to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we do a lot of stuff in the community, but a lot of things our community is not aware of what we're doing exactly. and how we partner with, uh, with other organizations and citizens and places of worship. And I think this episode will be a good example of how broad um, the work we do and the partnerships are. Exactly. And I, again, I was telling them earlier, this is going to be out of my wheel well here because um, it's part of something that we don't see all the time, but we hear about it all over our state, all over our, our uh, central Virginia. So I'm looking forward to our guests talking about some of the things that are going on in our community. Absolutely. We hear about the negative. Right, exactly. Um, I think this this episode will show the positive. I yes. know that it will show the positive. It so is. exactly. Let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Uh, we'd like to introduce our two guests, or we'd like to ask our two guests to introduce themselves today. Lauren, Lauren right. can we start with you? Sure. I'm Lauren Herschler. I'm the county's substance use outreach coordinator. And I've been with the county for about three years. Good. And Lane, let's Lane. Lane. have you introduce yourself. That, we're going to love Lane. Lane Weatherholt. Yeah, I'm the uh, peer recovery specialist for uh, Chesterfield County in specifics, uh, the mobile integrated health team, uh, which is fire and EMS. Awesome. Awesome. So what brings us here today is it is National Recovery Month. Um, we have a month and we have a day for everything. And this is um, <laughs> National Recovery Month. So we right. want to highlight um, what's happening in the community. I know most people believe that we primarily make arrests yep. um, on uh, drug-related or substance abuse issues, whether it's uh, people drunk driving or people on heroin or whatever the, the issue may be. Um, but it's a lot more than that. Right. You know, education is one of the things we do, and prevention is the other. And we have and, two people here today that are going yeah. to get into it and exactly. talk about it. And, we, and I think we got some experts to, to actually get help where you can get help from, um, not only even if you're not using or, or on it at that time, but at least be able to communicate with folks in our community to help them out. So I think that's what we're going to be hearing today. Laura, let's start off with you. If you could tell us what you do exactly in your job, if you could. <laughs> sure. So I wear a lot of hats. Um, one of the biggest parts of my job is harm reduction, providing harm reduction services to folks who are using drugs and the people who love them. So the biggest way we do that is by handing out Narcan. Narcan is a medication that can save a life during an opioid overdose. So we do a lot of that. Um, I also collect and distribute data. I work with community partners to provide stigma reduction and education on um, substance use disorder and the resources that are available. And then I really try to help out any of the uh, county organizations that are interested in working with me who, you know, want to know more about the crisis, want to be able to help, and, you know, want to feel like the power's in their hands that they can make a difference. So that's kind of my wheelhouse. So you actually go out and work with places of worship or nonprofits who may want to yes. partner with you for Narcan distribution or education? Correct. So I can partner with just about anybody in the county who is interested in providing education to other, you know, it could be their clients. So if they're already providing substance use services to folks and they want me to come in and do Narcan distribution or even provide some kind of training, happy to do that. Definitely have worked with churches. Mm -hmm. um, often they like their security teams to know how to use Narcan in case they come across an overdose, say in the parking lot or, you know, on the premises somewhere. Um, and also folks who are, uh, you know, engaged with their houses of worship also usually want to be helpful in their communities. So helping them understand what's going on and helping them find a place where they can be useful to people um, is really kind of, uh, is kind of my jam. That's the stuff I really like to do. So how, how did you get started in 
assisting our community? That's a great question. So the county realized that they needed a little extra help in tackling um, the substance use crisis, and they needed some outside-of-the-box ideas okay. to do so. So in this county, we have a substance use steering committee that's made up of the heads of many departments, and they realized that they need somebody to kind of go out into the community and provide um, you know, training on Narcan, get Narcan out there, think of outside-of-the-box solutions to reduce overdoses and overdose deaths. And so they were kind enough to bring me on a few years ago. And, um, you know, Chesterfield County is a great place to work for. So they really let me lead with my strengths. And so, um, you know, we've kind of developed over time, I think, a pretty decent Narcan distribution program and education programs and really tried to, um, you know, one of my biggest missions is to get us all out of our silos, right? Right. We work best with, uh, you know, many hands make light work. Mm -hmm. And so if we are all seeing the same folks and we can kind of lift together, then we do better as a county, uh, you know, not just our county, organ- you know, our internal, but the external folks. You know, mm-hmm. if we can all share the lift, then we all get to kind of rise together, right? right? Right, exactly. Do you have any idea how much Narcan you've distributed over the last year or last six months? Sure. So for um, the last fiscal year, I uh, distributed over 2,000 Narcan in the community. Wow. But I'm not the only <laughs> one. <laughs> there That's are. That- <laughs> Yep, that, that's a lot. But, you know, the, the county has lots of um, places where folks can access Narcan. So our community corrections folks are handing out Narcan. Oh, okay. Um, our jail hands out Narcan. Our fire and EMS folks, but I'll let Lane talk Ooh. about that program, do hand out Narcan. So we have lots of places where folks can access. It's not just through me. And then additionally, there's community partners who um, can provide Narcan too. So uh, you know, there's lots of places, but if you are looking for a Narcan in Chesterfield County, it's pretty easy just to start with me. Awesome, okay. awesome. Well, Lane, Lane, I, I got to get a little bit of you in me here. This, this is going to be good because I, I, I like the way you came in, uh, and you're from where now? All Southeast DC. South. Southeast. East DC, mm-hmm. and that's what you call it at first, Elliot. Yeah, in East Southeast Cali- there was a really um, rough housing community, housing project area back in the day. It's since been torn down. Okay, but you um, said D.C. It could be it's, it's Washington, D.C., or it could be the deep country. The deep, deep country. country. <laughs> yes, the deep country. Uh, and, again, the thing that I like is, I, again, roundtable talking. Uh, and how did you get involved in this now? Well, I am a person who is in long-term recovery. Right. Um, and so, I mean, uh, I guess the truncated version is coming up in Southeast D.C. Uh, during the crack uh, uh, time of, period. Time mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the late 80s yep. uh, or of the 80s, um, I was exposed to drugs at a young age and guys on the block and uh, the uh, glamour and the, ooh, I want to be on a corner with oh, yeah. the boys, right? Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, and so yeah, I just went down that path um, and and ended up becoming addicted, mm-hmm. um, and so got worse. Uh, and and I I think um, when police see people when it's time to see us, right. you're seeing us at the end, right, right, and, right, and. The journey to get there is just that. It's a it's a it's a journey. There's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of um, abuse. There's a lot of really bad things that go wrong right. for us to get to that point. And so I got to that point several times. It, it took. I had to spend some time with his team several times okay. before <laughs> before um, 
I, I, I got saved. Right. I, I mean, uh, a friend of mine always says, I didn't get arrested. I got saved. I got saved. Right. 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 I and, agree. Um, and so, yeah, I tried to get clean a bunch, a bunch of times. Man, oh, man. Okay. I mean, um, but just like normal, normal people who suffer from this uh, disease, I lost my, my son. I had no rights to him, no visitation, no custody. It was all taken away from me. And okay. So I finally got clean January 21st, 2016. Awesome. Awesome. Um, awesome. And my son was four then. And in this time frame, I have gotten full custody of him. Uh, so he lives with me now full time. 13, makes all A's, plays yep. on two baseball teams, wow. eats all my food, uh, <laughs> runs my bills up, right? Um, but my life is great, and to work for the, this county is, is, is incredible. So, um, te- so tell me what your goal is now. Save a life. Come on, man. I, I just want, I want people like me to see me and know that they can be me. Mm-hmm. Or be better mm-hmm. than me, mm-hmm. right? And, and people are like, "Oh, I'm trying to be like you." I'm like, "Nah, bro, you missed the point. Yeah. Be better than me, right?" Because um, I know how how it is to be at the at the at the bottom and and be like, "Man, there's no way I could ever see my kids again." That's a dry. That's a a driving point of pain for a lot of us. Right. We we don't get to see our kids, and so we just use more to deaden that pain. And I want to be like, "Bro, you yep. can do this." Good. Because they let a male in the Commonwealth have custody of a kid. Right, Anyone right. can do it. So and it's not because of money. It's no, because Lord knows I ain't got none of that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm sitting here listening. I'm getting chills because, again, the journey of people, people don't know your journey. They see your success, but mm-hmm. they don't know the journey. And that's what you're giving us today. Now, when you started your recovery, did you use any services like Lauren offered? Or did you go cold turkey? Or how did Good you get question. that? You don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to stop heroin, and you can, but normally did you do a rehab? or what, what was your, How did you get to that point? Sure. So my journey um, in, in being clean started with me jumping off a bridge. So my life had gotten so bad that the overdoses weren't killing me, so I jumped off the, Man, the Manchester uh, Bridge. Hold up, hold up. Did you, you said you jumped off the bridge. Off of it, yes. Oh. Yeah. Like when you walk up to the side, you just jump off to the water bottle. Yeah, I, I didn't take it that way. Yeah, yeah. It was for intense pers- purposes of dying. So, so. That, that you have a purpose now. Yeah. So jumped off of that, woke up um, in um, um, uh, Tucker, or, or uh, what is that? Chippenham? Chippenham. Chippenham. Yeah, and so I was there for a couple months, uh, intensive care, had to learn how to walk and talk and all that other stuff, and uh, went to Tucker. They transferred me up to Tucker, and I remember going up there to Tucker, and I was like, why am I, I thought I was done, and you were going to let me out. Mm -hmm. Why am I in Tucker? Like, I don't know if you've ever been to Tucker, probably to take people there, but there's legitimately crazy people there, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. talking to the walls and like doing weird stuff. And I was like, I'm not, cra- these people are crazy. Like, why am I in here? And the nurse was like, says here you jumped off the bridge, walk. go right. ahead, take a seat. Right. And I was like, man, you know? <laughs> um, so I got out of there and I got on maintenance. Um, so Suboxone, I went through Mixion. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at Mixion for nine months. I was on Suboxone mm-hmm. for nine months. Um, and that's how my journey began. Right, 
Right. So for our listeners to know, Tucker's is a portion of one of our local hospitals that is a mental health unit, a secure mental health unit, right. where people with an array of mental health challenges, challenges can go yeah. and, get, and get treated. Mm-hmm. And the McShin Foundation is a local recovery center here in the Richmond metro area um, that offers treatment to people who need recovery, who mm-hmm. need to stop the substance. They're a nonprofit. They do a lot of good work in our, in our community. Okay. Good it's not very old of a organization, I don't think. 2004. So it's relatively new, but they've had great success. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Lauren, let me ask you, when you're dealing and trying to help people uh, from a county perspective, like Lane, how do you go about it? Do you partner with Lane? Do you partner with other people in recovery? Yeah, so it sort of depends. I, I just meet people where they're at. Right. Mm-hmm. In a very non judgmental way, I'm going to talk very frankly with you about your drug use, and I'm going to talk very frankly about what's available to you. And, you know, if you're not interested in recovery at that time, that's okay. And mm-hmm. we're going to still talk about how we can keep you safer, not right. safe, but safer mm-hmm. while you're out here. And if you say the words, I'm tired or I want something different, then I'm going to connect you to a peer. Because mm-hmm. we know that the peer recovery specialists are magical. I don't have any other word. It is the right fit for folks. And when they're ready for that recovery journey, that's who they need. Right. But in the meantime, I just try to make sure that we take as best care of their health as we possibly can, make sure that they know that there are some other options. And the truth of the matter is the dead cannot recover. Mm. So we want folks to stay wow. as safe as possible so that they can have as, a different choice later on. I just try to remember that, you know, everybody deserves to live their best life. Right. And when they're ready for it, we can connect them to service. the right resources. Good for you. Now, what's the age range? Is there a difference in services from juveniles versus adults? So the county serves uh, juveniles through adults. We have a CAST team, that's a child and adolescent services team, and they can help um, kiddos who are struggling with substance use. So we absolutely can provide that service, and we provide services through adulthood and through, I mean, we, it is not uncommon for us to see folks in their 70s. Like, that is, oh, wow. that is common, right? Mm-hmm. Um, substance use can last a really long time. Uh, and when folks are ready, they're ready. And right. whether they're ready when they're 60 or whether they're ready when they're 25, we're ready for them. Right. I, I, can I go? I want to go I'll do a picture. Because we talk about this all the time in Philly. Remember when we yes. were looking at a video in Philly? And we, saw a, lot, and we saw a lot of homeless people. <laughs> Kensington's were rough. On, yes. Ooh. So we talked about that. But now for our listeners in Central Virginia, in Chesterfield County, a lot of folks are not homeless, correct? That are users. Maybe to the naked eye. To the Okay, I like that, to the naked eye. I would say that the housing can be quite unstable, that while they may have a place for tonight, they may not know about tomorrow. And then right. tomorrow, might, they might have a roof over their head, but they might not. So I think it's, it's the stability of the housing that can be really, really difficult to maintain. Okay, that just came to me because we, we, you show me that all the time, uh, partner. Yeah, my family's in Philly, and so I'm familiar with Kensington. It's the largest open-air drug market in the country, from what I've read. Mm-hmm. It is. And it's, and it's, it's bad. It's insane. I mean, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It is horrific. But see, that's some of the, I, my, my thoughts are some of the people in this area could be thinking, well, my, my community is not that it's community. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Yeah. But it is bad. And I'm looking at some of the statistics that we have now, and, uh, and I'm like, wow, in our county. And not really getting into it, but if you want to start briefly talking about that, that'll be good as yeah. well. Let me ask Lane a question. How do you meet the people that you're going to serve? Sure, that's a great question. Oh, that's, so that's a good question. on my team, I work with um, paramedics and firefighters. We're a team of six, me being the seventh. Um, and we have um, basically anytime uh, one of our crews administers Narcan or a call is uh, coded as 
an overdose, um, they either will reach out to us at that time uh, and have me come out to the scene and talk with the uh, patient about recovery services, um, or there is a report done every night that is sent to us the following day that has the overdoses on it, the names, phone numbers, and I'll call them and try to set up a time to come by, see them, grab a cup of coffee. Um, so, yeah. So so how many folks work with you are, are doing the same thing that you're doing? Me. No, I said how many, how many people? What do you mean? I'm just kidding. You said me. I got it. Yeah. One person. Just me. Because, <laughs> again, I don't know if you're getting how many calls you're receiving it's a weekly. Lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how can other folks be part of this uh, employment that you have right now? That's a great question. Uh, I think that's above my pay grade. Okay, um, okay. Um, but it's definitely um, something that is needed because what's going on is, is – um, my 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 name is spreading amongst the 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 uh, town. So I'm getting calls from the public defender's office. I'm getting oh, wow. calls from attorneys. I'm getting calls from probation officers. I'm getting calls from the PD. I'm getting calls from everywhere now about people saying, "Hey." I have a client who is struggling with addiction. Can you do anything? Mm-hmm. And I say, yeah, of course. I right. go meet them, get them into treatment, get them into detox. So it's the workload is 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 getting large. Right. Yeah. Well, do you do ride-alongs with our offices as well? I do not, but my counterpart does. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that joy? Joy. Yep. Joy. Okay. Yep. That's good. Yeah. So I kind of cover the fire, the EMS side, and she covers the PD side. We do have some other peers available to folks. So if they come into care, like if they decide like they'd like to come to our mental health building and receive services and they would like to be connected to a peer, we can do that. Uh, Lane's kind of our out in the streets guy. And then we have folks (laughs) in the building, right? The other way, um, and we can, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but there is a a peer run warm line that's open from eight to midnight. Mm -hmm. It's called a live RVA. And you can call that number between those hours and talk to somebody in recovery. They can help connect you to resources. So if we can't, you know, if you're listening and you think I have a family member or or I'd like to call, but I'm not in Chesterfield or this doesn't sound right for me, you could always try that warm line too. There are lots of ways to access um, peer services. And I heard you say people coming to your office, you have a walk-in service if someone needs help. Yeah, Chesterfield County Mental Health does have Monday through Friday hours. They're available on our website, so you can Google Chesterfield County Mental Health Support Services. And so basically, if you show up in the morning between, you know, say 8 and and really try to come before 2 o'clock, you're going to be seen. You're going to be seen by um, an intake person who's just going to get some basic information from you. Then you're going to have an assessment, and that's where, like, the journey really begins. You're going to have a real honest conversation with somebody about where you're at, where you've been, where you'd like to go. And we'll, based on that conversation, we'll connect you to the right services in our building. And that's that's really where the journey begins is you show up at our door and we will welcome you with open arms. And the phone number there is uh, 804-748-1227. Yep, so if folks have questions, they can call that number before they come in, absolutely. You can check out our county web pages. Again, if you just start at the Mental Health Support Services building, you'll see on the left-hand side a a list of kind of all the things we do. We have substance use services. We have mental health services. We have services for kiddos. So you can really see that we have a, like we have a menu of options. Mm. And I would just say, you know, if you have insurance, great. If you don't, that's okay. 
You should not be worried about your ability to pay. Come to see us. We'll, we'll help you figure all that out. We have a sliding scale, um, but we can also help connect you to resources you might not know exist. You know, you might, you might qualify for Medicaid, you know? So let us, let us help you figure that out. Let me ask both of you a question about um, the support you get. And Elaine, you said you have a son. Do you offer any services to family members? Right. What suggestions right. would you make to family members about helping their uh, families get into recovery? Or if the person is in recovery, are there any ongoing services that family members could take advantage of? Yeah, that's a great question. There is there is a ton. I mean, I think I think it is a it is a a we thing when it comes to mm-hmm. this. So there is um, families anonymous um, happens Wednesday evenings at uh, Hatcher Church on twenty three hundred Dumbarton. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great thing to send people to. There's also um, a teenagers meeting um, for that is run by a teenager for kids who have parents that are suffering from this disease and so that meets um at the same church at 6 p.m uh wednesdays i think naranon and alanon and therapy and yoga or whatever whatever it is if 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 the codependency isn't addressed which is hard because when it comes to your son being addicted, all you want to do is reach in and just pull them out, right. shake them and say, stop, right? right? But right. If, if you're not taking care of self, right, you, how can you take care of any, anybody else if you're not okay? Exactly. And, and, and so, yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of services. There's a lot of things that we offer. There's a lot of things out in the area that, that people can do to address that for them. Right, right. I just add that there are two um, Families Anonymous meetings that meet in Chesterfield, and you can go to the Families Anonymous website and see where those two are. They are kind of at uh, opposite ends of the the county, County. so those are available. And then Smart Recovery is another option for folks, both for folks who want to be in recovery and for their family and friends. They have a family and friends program that is fantastic, and I definitely recommend that folks check it out. But I think Lane hit the the nail on the head when he's like, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're really right. unable to take care of anyone else. Right. So we want our family, the friends and family of folks who are using drugs to really get the resources that they need. They can reach out to me. My number is 804-717-6169. And I'm happy to help them find the right resources for themselves and make sure that they get connected. The biggest thing that was taught to me was when my mother learned to tell me no. Right. They, they talk about speeding up the bottom right and it sped up my bottom right getting to my bottom faster when the people that i loved started telling me no i had no resources at that point so definitely man that's good stuff but again i want to get into the next time because i know it's going to be a next time that we can talk to you all Uh, we talked about preventing uh or 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 recovery but i want to get into the prevention part of it how do you how do you tell kids today that some of the things that they're taking, buying weed because of the new laws that we have throughout the state, that they can buy marijuana, things of that sort, you know, they lacing this stuff with fentanyl or anything of that sort. So one day I would like to have that conversation of of, of not being part of that trying and 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 seeing if it's what you want to do. We we do have to do that for our kids and for our adults as well. Right. I know one of the things I'm surprised by is in twenty six years of policing, I've never thought Right. That we will partner or have a partnership like this with a 
personal recovery and we're putting so much effort Not at all. and time into it. That's kind of weird it, for, it for but, me to be in a room full of cops. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it is good. This is, this is where our society is at now. Yeah. Um, and getting that information. Thing. It is a beautiful thing. Getting and, that information. And policing is evolved. I mean, when I exactly. first started, you made exactly. the arrest and, yep. you know, you package your evidence, you put it in. Well, now, like our vice narcotics unit makes a whole effort to track back exactly. who was selling the drugs, who was dis- distributing the drugs through the community to mm-hmm. prevent other overdoses. Mm-hmm. I know the public sees sometimes we will have three or four overdoses in, in one day yeah. when some yep. uh, drugs have gotten out there and have been uh, adulterated with something that's deadly. But again, it goes back to that partnership now, which yeah. is, act- is awesome. So yeah. I also want to put out Lane's phone number uh, in case anyone is in recovery or has questions or family members may call and say, hey, I assume you take phone calls from family? All day. All day. Okay. <laughs> His phone number is 804-801-8205. That's 804-801-8205. And the mental health intake number, again, is 804-748-1227. Now, we always end with right, a exactly. question, and I'm going to let Daryl exactly. ask that question. That question is, what can you tell us about how we can do better? Um, things that you have in, in, in your spirit that you want to share um, that makes this, this program works? Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the things I just want to share to the community members or folks that are listening is to know that, you know, as we've talked about policing evolved, you know, and, and how we're all partnering together and we want people to live their best lives, it's also important to know, for folks to know, that it's safe to call for help, Right. right? So we have something on the books here in Virginia basically called the Safe Reporting Law, and if you're calling... And you're reporting an overdose, you are safe from arrest and prosecution for certain crimes, right? The person calling, the person in an overdose, and somebody who's there providing first aid, those folks are all safe from arrest and prosecution for possession of controlled substances, possession of paraphernalia, possession of cannabis, public intoxication, and an alcohol charge that we should all be talking to our kids about, Mm -hmm. which is that purchase, possession, consumption of underage alcohol, right? Right. So knowing that it is safe to call and that you're not going to be arrested can really motivate folks to call for help, and we want you to call for help when you need it. We do not want folks to be afraid of the helpers. The helpers are there to help, so please call. I think that that's a really important message that that I think not just for community members, but for, you know, as the police are out there, to, to tell folks that too, right. right? When they hear it from y'all, it's, it's really impactful. Hey, you know it's safe to call. Thanks for calling today. Yep. Right. Right? Awesome. Thanks for calling today. We, we're glad you saved your friend's life. We're glad you're a community lifesaver. We're glad you're here. Let us know if you'd like to be connected to somebody to do something a little bit different. Awesome. Right? Same thing. Yeah, I think um, I think continuing the trajectory of transparency oh, on yes. this topic. I think, like you kind of touched on, not being afraid to have rather candid conversations with your kids about this. I'm very open with my son about when he's with his buddies and they're smoking weed like I give him drug testing things where you can put the weed in the bag, shake it up, and if there's fentanyl on that, yep. it'll show. So right. he knows. Now, I'm not saying that he does, and he's sure. very open back. He's like, I don't want to do none of that stuff. Right. He's like, I see where it goes. Right. But I think not being afraid to continue having conversations about the the disease of addiction exactly. is, is, exactly. is crucial. Awesome. Yeah. One quick question. Um, how do you deal with stress outside of work? What's your go-to? The gym. The gym, okay. I was 412 pounds. Wow. 412. 
It's a true story. I'll even show y'all why she answered. <laughs> I, I'm going to add one comment to, to Lane's thing was that for parents, you, you just find that fine line between <coughs> protection and preparation. Mm. Sometimes we overprotect, mm -hmm. right? We need to just do a little bit better job preparing kids for, what they're, for where they're at. Right. But my go-to is it is not uncommon for me to be out here running on these Chesterfield trails. Um, I like to hike around the James. Like that's where I, when I'm in the woods, that's mm -hmm. where my cup gets filled. That's where wow. I feel good. That's how I let it all go, you know, pound the pavement. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so, so that's mine. That's Amazing. your go-to. Yeah. Because yep. we all work in stressful jobs. We have to have a good work-life balance. Wow. Absolutely. So, Lane, you said it's your, your weights, lifting weights? I love the gym. You look good. You look I good. love the gym. I want to ask him. He, he, he looks strong. Yeah, my son proud. <laughs> my dad's strongest man I know. <laughs> I said, remember that. But, listen, we want to thank you guys. Yes, I mean, thank you We both. really do. Uh, coming out and sharing thank your you story. And I think if we continue to do this partnership with our communities, I think we're going to make it a lot better. Yes. I really yeah. do. And, and we got to be honest and have these conversations, as both of you have, have, have witnessed. So, um, partner, I mean, again, I, all I can say is another great one. Yeah, man. great. We, we also want to thank Captain Rich McCullough. Oh, yeah. Who works at our uh, Special Investigations Division for facilitating this today. Mm -hmm. um, it has been a good one. Yeah. You know, more yeah. information, more education, and more partnering is exactly. what we need. Exactly. We'd like our listeners to check us out on any uh, social media platform that you will find us on. Also, we are recruiting police officers, police service aides, and a number of civilian positions. You have to go to joinccpd.org, mm -hmm. and you will lead you right to the application. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Right. We Great will, show. Great show. We won't see you next time, but you'll hear us next time. <laughs> I like that. <laughs>